And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Gentlemen, the time has come. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoach. 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 Put it in another corner. Hoach. From CHGO, it's Adam Ho, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. That yeah, crazy for me. I feel like, uh, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm not disputing what you're zone. saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing that? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns. Good to be back. John Z, good job on the post game. Welcome back. I was Denver. Wedding was good. You brought some snow with you, you jerk. I know. I saw the snow while I was there. We went up in the mountains. It was just beautiful. I love Colorado. It's just a great place. Wedding was beautiful. It's on a ranch. Just feels like you're in a different world. It's kind of it was definitely one of those rowdier weddings. Nothing wrong with that. Do you do your you and your friends have like any uh, like wedding? I know you're probably past the wedding days at this point, as am I for the most part. But like my cousin who's getting married is like 28 now. Okay, so um, do, do your friends like have any like wedding traditions with like songs that are played or like any any hijinks that go on there? There is one uh, called family. Kind of family, okay. family friends, uh, kind of mixture of both. Whenever shout comes on, mm. the ties are tied around the head. Okay, yeah. Uh, shirts are untucked. Um, guys are on the ground doing like the uh, the Animal House scene where you know what I'm talking about where yeah it's, um, yeah yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm blanking in how they described it in the movie, but that type of scene comes about. It has come about, I want to say, in at least five or six weddings I've been to. Yeah, the reason I bring that up is because, so the last song of the wedding was Piano Man, which, you know, that's pretty typical, like, you know. Billy Joel? Yeah, it's not nothing new, but everyone got in a circle, too, and, like, put their arm, like, okay, yeah, this is a pretty normal event. And then I look a little closer, you know, to my left, to my right, and I realize that pretty much every dude there, their pants are down at their ankles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, that sounds like something uh, this group in college used to do. I was not part of this group whenever some song came on, but no, you did not yeah. drop your pants, which which is kind of like, you know, I don't For know the record, you I kept my every pa- single wedding. I, I kept my pants on. I'm, you know, I feel like 35 is probably the Thank cutoff. The I'm, I'm, I'm older than 35, so I, uh, you know, I kept it PG. A pants-on party for Adam Hogan. Yeah. No, it was a really fun, awesome wedding, and we had a good weekend. So it was weird for me, definitely weird for, for me to be traveling, like, on a Sunday, sort of having to follow the Bears game. I, I managed to catch, like, the middle part of the game because we went over to the DNVR bar and checked all that out, which was great. But then we had to leave in the fourth quarter. So when things, like, totally collapsed in the fourth quarter, I was listening to Joniak and Thayer for the most part through Sirius XM. Um, yeah. So, um, but no, everything's fine, John's because, you know, Justin Fields, and that's all you have to say. There's uh, really nothing to criticize. The rebuild's going great. Uh, you know, you don't need the quarterback to throw more in the fourth quarter. Everything's great. The Bears are on the Bears are on their way to the Super Bowl. Next time you're at Hallis Hall, I want you to take that idea into the locker room. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, hey, uh, David Montgomery, this tank win thing is working out really well for you guys, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think his answer will work out well for you. No, no, it won't. And um, you hey, know, somebody away here, you know, this you've been here forever, but this this tanking feels like winning, right? Someone tweeted at me yesterday that that Ryan Poles is probably laughing at any of the criticism because he just gets a better draft pick, so he's like, this is going great. I, I can just guarantee you 
that Ryan Poles is not laughing at how the majority of his 2022 draft class played on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. I have sat in front of Ryan Poles on the road, and let me tell you, just based on the reactions and the reflection of their faces on, on the press box glass there, those guys in the front office, Ian Cunningham, Jeff King, the front office, the, the big-time decision makers for the Bears, the top scouts, they all want to win. Sure, come Tuesday, okay, we got the sixth pick. That's okay. We can work with that. But on those Sundays, in those moments, they want the team that they picked, the team they selected, the team they, they're they responsible for to win football games. <laughs> Promise you that. Especially the players and the coaches on the field, for sure. Like when you're in those three hours, you want to, you, there's a process to it. There's things that go right. There's reactions you have to have as a player and as a coach. And when it all adds up to a loss, especially one in which you blow a fourth quarter lead, nobody's happy about that. Now, if you want to take a step back a couple hours later and be like, oh, you know, at the end of the world or at the end of the day, we got a, you know, 10 higher picks in the draft order, you know, certainly that's not, that's, not a bad thing, but that's not how they look at this thing in the moment. Regardless of all that, uh, we got a good show for you today. Uh, J.T. O'Sullivan, who's been on the podcast before under much different circumstances a year ago, uh, will join us to uh, break down Justin Fields, and I'm excited to talk to him and want to talk to him for a few weeks about what he's – because he's he's a fan of Justin Fields. He's got strong thoughts on what the Bears should be doing with Justin Fields, and uh, I think if you heard him last year – when he joined us, and there's going to be probably a much different tune with what he has to say now, but I'm really looking forward to that conversation. We'll also get to your voicemails uh, a little bit later as well. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. johnsy has got the coverage along with Kevin Fishbane up on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. And uh, it's a Tuesday, which means if you signed up at All CHGO and are a member, that tomorrow morning you'll get my Bears Things newsletter in your inbox. John's, I'm just like, let's forget wins or losses for a second. Like, there are losses in which you can be like. Well, you just oh. said forget wins and losses, but you're going to talk about losses? No, no, no. What I'm going <laughs> to say is they're, forget whether or not they would have actually won or lost this game against the Lions. Like, yes, they want to win. Okay, fine. But what I'm trying to get at is there have been losses already this season. In fact, I'd say the last two weeks before this one. Where we we're like, okay, for the most part, progress. Nobody wants to hear moral moral victory or whatever, but like there, there were the majority of things that happened were good. Even though you lost the game to the Cowboys, you lost the game to the Dolphins. There were plenty of things to be like, okay, the future looks good. This was a different loss, and I'm I'm setting Justin Fields even aside from this. There's just so many other things that happen in that game, Johns, where there's things you should at least question. And you can't just throw your hands up in the air and be like, well, we got our quarterback and the sixth overall pick, so it's all fine. The Lions are the Lions. They entered this game with, you, you think the Bears defense is bad? The Lions is worse. It is. Statistically worse, has been worse, even though they had a great day against Aaron Rodgers. I get it. They're the worst defense in the league. Bears were favored by three points. Like, you felt like you walked into the Bears locker room at Soldier Field after the Dolphins loss, and you felt some good vibes. Like, oh, hey, we played with the playoff team. We had some young players against some outstanding receivers. There's some things to feel good about. Our quarterback was outstanding. You walk into the locker room Sunday after losing to Detroit, they were down. They were upset. That locker room needs a win. So just based off those moods alone, you get it, you get the impression that, well, they let this one slip away. They had a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter against one of the worst teams in the league. And I know the Bears aren't one of the best teams. I get it. But a 14-point lead against the Detroit Lions is one you should maintain in all cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even if you want to... You know, zero in specifically on players who matter for the future and their development, like especially on defense. 
Uh, Kyler Gordon's kind of stalled out here recently. Jaquan Brisker's kind of stalled out here recently. You don't have necessarily any answers on the defensive line. Travis Gibson hasn't really emerged the way that Ryan Poles was probably hoping as one of the holdovers from the last regime. Dominique Robbins still young. Maybe too early to make any uh, proclamations on him. But, you know, I'm just looking at this thing and I'm going, all right, of all the pieces on defense, name one that you felt good about on Sunday. Jack Sanborn. <laughs> I was waiting for you to get to your No, but I'm serious. I, yes. That's it. Yes. Is there anybody else? I think Justin Jones had had, had good moments. I, I did think Jaquan Brisker had good moments, but no, there, there's not many. The and, pass, and, and, the pass and rush all, is a problem. They have right. to blitz more to generate it against Jared Goff of all players. And, and all I'm saying is that, like, yes, the quarterback's the most important piece. And yes, that's looking good for the most part. But the rest of the rebuild matters too. And if everything was going well with a young defense, you wouldn't have lost that game on Sunday. Is that fair? You know, they did only allow 24 points and the Bears scored 30. Just saying. Yeah, there was a pick six. Yes. Yeah. Just, just, Which brings I, us back I know, to the quarterback. I know. I, it's, it's, this brings us to the quarterback. Let's, let's double back to this conversation before we exit the podcast. Can we do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. We, we should. We should. Uh, let's bring in JTO Sullivan, uh, who does outstanding work at the QB school. And uh, there he is with his amazing background that we love. JT. What's up, fellas? Uh, thanks for coming my, on my again. My background is just lacking. Yeah, yeah, you're all right. Got, Looks, I, you, you're not kidnapped, are you? It, <laughs> I got to get out of this dining room and back in the office. This is this is not good. You say that, but that's like literally been your background for three years. So I don't, I don't, I don't. I, you, Consistency matters. Yeah. Hey, hey JT, uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us again. Um, we want to make sure all the listeners know to, to be following your work at the QB school, at the QB school on Twitter. They can catch your Twitter breakdowns there, but if they want more, they should be checking out your YouTube page and even more, they should be a Patreon subscriber, uh, which, which I am. And I was able to watch your, Hour and 16 minute long breakdown on, on Justin Fields' performance against the Lions. Appreciate you putting all that work into it because it certainly helps helps us out here on the pod. Hey, last year when you joined us, it was after that ugly Cleveland Browns game that basically got Matt Nagy fired. Uh, boy, things are different now, aren't they? Both in terms of how Justin's playing, but I think where you come in especially is how the Bears are using him. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys... You know, I've lived through some uh, some tough times over there as far as offense. Why can't I get my? I got I'm not used to wearing a hat on this thing. Uh, you want to pause for a second? It's all good. No, nah, the okay. the Matt Nagy thing for me got me off tilter because I was so excited <laughs> for it to come on and just be. Sorry, uh, I apologize for bringing that name be, up. It, it does for a lot of our listeners. Very good. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even remember that last game. I I think there were a number of things that got Matt Nagy fired. I think. Uh, for y'all and just the experience of what it's been like to watch Justin Fields kind of, I don't want to necessarily say evolve because I think that this Justin Fields has been there the whole time. I just think that the Bears have started to finally get an idea of what they have right now at the quarterback position and then being able to create the scaffolding around him with whatever y'all want to use the phrase for the weapons and talent around him to at least have him go out there and flourish in what he can do right now. And I know it's hard when y'all are living it week to week and want those wins and all those types of things. But I mean, when you take a step back and think about uh, what it was, what it was even earlier in the season to what it is now uh, and what we're able to see from Justin Fields damn near consistently here for the last month, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Well, let's talk about maybe the, the most major of differences. It's all these design runs at least over the past five weeks. that have What been. a good idea. Who would yes. have thought? Sweeps, draws, read option. Uh, I mean, zone read leads, so many different things. Uh, if I could, John, yeah. let me interrupt you for a second. I want to bring this up. If you watch JT's breakdown of the Patriots game, it was, I must have laughed out loud like 20 times because JT, you've been screaming for this stuff for like a year and a half now, and you're watching the game for the first time as you were breaking it down, and you were just like, you were like having an internal celebration that the fact that Luke Getzey was actually calling this stuff. It was very entertaining. 
Well, I appreciate that. Uh, the I, I really do. I try to like watch those things for the first time, so you get the authentic kind of reaction too. But I mean, it's no joke. I think I'll, I'm not alone here by saying, "Hey, let's see some quarterback runs." I think the thing that's been most exciting for me up until really this last game, to be honest with you, was the kind of comprehensive catalog of runs. You know, you'll see a lot of teams sprinkle zone read or sprinkle, you know, goal line pin and pull. But, you know, this past week, I thought that they majored in that in zone read, which is fine every once in a while. But I loved the full catalog of running gap runs, of getting on the perimeter, of still taking advantage of his, you know, scrambling ability but also just dialing it up sometimes and letting the best player get the ball and go downhill with the numbers in your advantage every single time. Yeah, and it's I think specifically on third down it's been pretty remarkable cuz there was there was some stat that like when he carries the ball on third down they've gotten a first down like 17 out of the last 18 times. I mean that's just incredible efficiency for you know something that's been working. I did want to touch on something though watching your breakdown of, of the Lions it seemed like by the end of it, you were thinking that they were doing a little bit too much zone read. Do you think that that was just a schematic thing for that week behind the Lions were playing it, or is it just they kind of have maybe overcorrected too much to leaning on the run because, as we all know, there's issues with the rest of the help around Justin? Yeah, I mean, it's impossible for me to say unless I'm in those you know scout meetings and, and kind of understand what their plan is, but... For me, I think when you rely on zone read there, you know, for the last 15 years, most defensive coordinators, maybe not in the league, but damn near every other level, will have a certain toolkit to be able to protect against zone read. And the thing about sprinkling in other runs is that it, it does make them defend and run fit things differently. I feel like sometimes when you run zone read, you're letting them off the hook a little bit. Now, like early on, that the the first zone read maybe even the first play of the game early on in the game yeah. the huge chunk down the left side you know that's when it looks easy you know that's like freshman football defense when they're going to play man and you just beat the edge defender and run for you know punt return left well when they start gap exchanging or even on the big run you know you guys might know i i don't necessarily know because i didn't look into it but that might have been a called pull you know i didn't look like he was reading anybody and so you can sprinkle in some elements of those things, but I just love the comprehensive element of power read, you know, running counter, running pin and pull, running zone read, and then slowly. And the, the other thing that I was going to touch on in the video that we really haven't seen yet is quarterback run play action. You know, you see it in the college game where you'll fake that run, step back and throw it. You know, there's no rules against that in the league. I think sometimes these guys are just so programmed with, hey, we're, I'm a West Coast person. We're only going to run West Coast things where you're slowly starting to see them evolve their run game package. Now you want to see the play action off of it to be able to take advantage of what that does to a defense. Well, let me play devil's advocate on that a little bit. Is there, because I, I know this question comes up a lot, at least on social media, and there's a really bad clip out there, I think, from Mike Lombardi calling Justin Fields a, a running back. But is there a point where there's too much running? Or what, like what happens when he faces a, a better defense that's that, that's not the Lions? Sure. I mean, there's always a sweet spot, right? With everything. There's too much passing. There's too much anything. I, I don't think it's, you know, I know that a lot of these, what I'll classify for you guys, so you don't have to, as old white takes on these old quarterbacks that are pocket cats that don't have the capacity to get out and run. Justin Fields could be a running back. He's that good of a runner, but he's also a good, very good quarterback and can drive the ball down the field. Now, just because it's frustrating sometimes to watch the Bears play offense and specifically to pass protect and separate on the perimeter that he has to run around and make some crazy plays. And he has to take advantage of his capacity to run the ball right now. But for me, I mean, the dude is an absolute unreal weapon. And he certainly tapped into the running element of it right now. But yeah, over the course of your entire career, is he going to be ripping, you know, damn near 200 yards every game? No. But right now, he's competitive as hell. He's keeping the Bears essentially in these games single-handedly offensively, in my opinion. And so if and when they ever build around him, and I know it's a big if because you all got issues everywhere, okay, everywhere. So it's not easy to say, hey, just go get him a number one and go get some offensive linemen and we'll be fine. I don't necessarily think it's that simple of a fix, which makes it a little scary. But the quarterback, that development, it seems like it's on the right path. Yeah, and no one has – let me just list the, the stats here. No one has stopped it over – 
five games, like 88 rushing yards, 82 rushing yards, 60 rushing yards, 178, 147. <laughs> I mean, if it's working, keep going until they stop it. Yeah, I mean, it's a long year. And I, and trust me, probably no one in the quarterback space is going to say run the quarterback more than me. I love it. I think it creates a number of different weapons, but I'm also not naive. It's a long-ass season. And if and when you all start playing meaningful games in January, it's an even longer season. And so there's a ways to be smart with it. But I think if you don't take advantage of it, specifically right now, you know, you're really doing yourself a massive disservice offensively for the Bears. And, and, and I think the thought is that eventually when there is more help, the passing game will open up more. And that's probably maybe even a year away. But before we get to some of the things that Justin can still improve on, where have you seen him improve? Like what when, when you've been doing these breakdowns, specifically in the passing game, what are some areas where Justin Fields has gotten better? Well, I mean, I don't necessarily know if I can pinpoint to say, hey, he's gotten better at X, Y, Z. I think that we've just been able to see what he can do. He's always been able to do this stuff. I think for some reason, these narratives about him coming out and where he went in the draft and how it didn't go, you know, these curtain guys went above him and all these other weird subplots have kind of impacted what he was doing at Ohio State. He was throwing the ball down the field, making big plays with his arm consistently and showcasing his legs. And so we've just seen it now a few times, a little bit more, and it's being flourished and sparkled because of these big runs as well. But I think you can see him creating plays even out of structure. You know, there's been some breakdowns up front, no panic. You know, I think he does a nice job keeping his eyes down the field. He's trying to make plays. There's no separation out there, fellas. You know, I, I know y'all know this, but like consistently, if you go out there and say, hey, I'll just get it to this guy because he's winning and I know I can trust him to separate. Well, good luck. You know, it's just not happening. And so that makes everything feel tight and condensed. And we're, we're just not able to do everything that we want to do. And you turn on these other teams in the league and you've got guys running wide ass open and you're taking vertical shots down the field with play action. You know, besides for the, the one uh, to the tight end, that massive naked, that was an absolute great play call. You know, you don't see a whole lot of schemed up guys open for easy completions, in my opinion. And so it's kind of that fine tuning with what Justin Fields can do, big plays down the field, but also being realistic and saying, hey, bro, you got to get the ball out of your hands faster. And we have to design plays that allow you to do that. And we got to win. We got to separate. We got to have some some sort of scheme to give us an opportunity to create some space to make life easier for you. Before we talk about like, yeah, the anticipation throws in playing within the pocket, I'm curious, like just generally speaking, you you watch film every single week. You watch a lot of the, the Bears games. Like, how do you feel about the Bears offensive line? A lot of moving parts, guys injured and whatnot, but like from what you've seen from them, like how would you describe what they're getting? I would say that, you know, for me, it's even been just the, the story arc of this season, watching Justin Fields and what looks like, and it's just my perception of his comfort level in the pocket. I think early on, you know, he was really trying to be that guy who was going to stay in the pocket, get through the reads, and we're taking ridiculous amount of sacks, holding onto the ball forever. I think slowly, you know, it's almost flipped to the opposite side where it's, hey, if it's there, I'll let it rip. Trying to be on time, not necessarily anticipating, but seeing it come open and ripping it. And then if it's not there, I'm going to go create. And so you probably have to find some sweet spot in the middle, but that comes from trust. It's trust with the offensive line that, hey, they're going to not take an L at the line of scrimmage immediately, but it also comes from trust from the offensive unit on the perimeter that someone's going to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be there and have some precision to the dropback game. So it's it's never just, hey, man, we can't, we can't sustain, you know, for three seconds in the pass protection unit. Okay, well, you know, the Bears do a decent job of moving the pocket, moving the launch point, all those types of things. But those things come with a flip side where now you're cutting the field in half. You're not really allowing him to showcase what he can do from the pocket because you're basically saying, hey, you have this, you know, this part of the field and that's it. And if someone falls or they run into each other, you have nothing. And so it's for me, it's it's really, really a combination of the pass protection unit, the trust with Justin Fields, but then that carries over to the perimeter. Those guys have to win. And we have to be calling plays, designing plays for them to win. What do they do absolutely the best? And how can we take advantage of putting those guys in positions to go out there and win like that consistently? Yeah, and, and to that point, I was watching uh, one of your breakdowns of Tua a couple weeks ago. I think it was against the Lions. So you've had to watch the Lions a lot recently. Too much, too yeah. much. Uh, I do enjoy all the nicknames you have for them, though. Um, the uh, 
there was some ridiculous throw to a head where like at the point where he releases the football, the guy he's throwing to is essentially like covered by two people and somehow he knows, no, he's coming wide open and hits it. It was a great anticipation. Well, he's also throwing to Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. So to your point about like trusting trusting guys to be open to get that separation, that's got to help. But obviously that's one of two of strengths that we've started to see here. Uh, and and actually going to your point about like even college game, like Tua did that in college too. So he's always been able to do that. Um, is that something you could see start getting better with fields once the talent is better? I mean, it has to get better. And I, and I would probably, if I was in the room with Justin, I would probably tell him that we got to start taking strides right now to at least, you know, and they probably do, you know, at practice. I don't know. You know, I'm not out there watching practice, but to to develop the trust kind of on air, you know, wide receivers on air, seven on seven in the team drills, and then have it transfer and let's have a couple anticipation throws in on a Sunday. And I think that, you know, when I think back and I'd have to go back and watch all the Ohio State stuff, but I don't really think of Ohio State as an anticipation offense. It's to me a little kind of blend air raidy stuff. I really like what Ryan Day does, but it's a lot of, you know, see guys open, big arm throw down the field type chunks to me. And so as opposed to Alabama, who's a little bit more RPOE anticipation. And so those guys are, you know, trained. That's their norm. That's their fluency, as opposed to Justin Fields, who probably hasn't been asked to do it quite as much. But for me, anticipation comes from not just the quarterback and everything being kind of intentional with saying, hey, I'm going to get the ball out on time. I understand the timing of this. It really is an entire unit thing. And it really, the wide receivers, the precision of the footwork, the depths, the details, the demands of the passing game at the pro level to be able to match that with the timing, with the trust, with the accuracy. And I think Justin certainly has the accuracy and the arm strength and the big play making ability down the field. I don't know why they can't scheme up some sort of one-on-one -on -one outside the numbers for him to be able to throw an anticipation throw, at least build it into the repertoire to be able to get more comfortable with it. But you, you don't see it. I, I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm sure someone will come at me on some social media content about some anticipation throw, but you really don't see it. I can't recall any. To your point there, I'm trying to remember exactly what our conversation was like with quarterbacks coach Andrew Janoco a few weeks ago. But the conversation centered around trust and Justin Fields, like you said, trusting everything. And it, the the conversation kind of steered towards like having a leap of faith where like if you see it, it's probably closed already. Like that's it, it, NFL open. Like by the time you see him open, that window is closing where that anticipation needs to be. A little sooner. I'm curious what you think about that that idea. By the time you see it, yeah. the, the window is closing. Uh, maybe I, I'm I, I got hung up. I got you lost me on the on the. It's a leap of faith thing. It's not a leap of faith in my opinion. It's a lot of work, yeah. and it it happens in practice. It happens in the off season. It happens with your understanding of the system and the demands from the staff and really the quarterback on the perimeter to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be consistently. And so that to me is you know I, I don't want to take a bunch of leap of faith things. I think. The other part that's hard sometimes for people to understand outside the building is the amount of focus on not turning the ball over that the position has kind of evolved into. And it and it comes from a lot of different things. And you I think Justin Fields has done a really good job of it recently up until that, you know, the the screen pass that went sideways on us. When you're when you're trying to protect the ball, you, you know, you you all of a sudden are a little bit more not hesitant, but you just try to make things cleaner. And sometimes things just aren't clean in the league, and you just have to trust your guy to win one-on-one -on -one and realize that you can, to your point, throw them open and kind of protect them with the ball and the accuracy and those types of things. So it, it's a weird tension because you do have to protect the ball, and you, everyone saw what happens when you have a pick six and what that does to the impact of the game. And, you know, we, I think we got to take some steps. Man, we got to see some anticipation at some point to be able to take the next step as a passer. All right, what's the uh, what what's the deal with Cole Komet now? You call him everybody's uh, favorite <laughs> eligible tackle. <laughs> it took Cole a while to get uh, some of these big plays going, but I guess in recent weeks he has found the end zone. I mean, that softball swing is pretty. It looks pretty good. <laughs> he would call uh, it his home run swing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I, I love softball as much as anybody. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of my like sideways slap at the perimeter skill unit that they're working with. 
I mean, I, I think he's an excellent blocker. I don't think Cole Komet is going to separate from anybody very consistently. And so, you know, when you look across the landscape of the league with a lot of quarterbacks who are doing really well in the court in the passing game, they've got some guys who can separate at every position. But tight end is like that unique hybrid spot where if you can really capture that and use it to your like plus one or plus half an eligible to be able to create downfield, it's really nice when you're relying on a guy who, you know, is a really good blocker to be able to do that. Yeah, it's worked the last couple of weeks. We've seen some touchdowns. He made a really nice catch on the on the one touchdown that was looked like an RPO that didn't have a whole lot of options. I thought Justin gave him a really nice ball. He made a went up and got it, but you know, consistently it's just my little uh, my little jabs. <laughs> Keep myself as I sit here talking to myself, I try to make myself laugh. Um, he had a, good, a lot of good nicknames for those uh uh, Billy Jean and, and Thor for the, yeah. the, the Lions defense. My poor guy, yeah. Hard knocks really did them in for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was entertaining. I it mean, was. And, and, and Rodrigo, right? You know. Yeah, he wasn't out there. Is he hurt or something? Or they finally they finally saw the film? He was hurt in that game, right, Johns? Okay. I don't know. He wasn't they finally out there. see the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to go back to, well, well, I guess Matt Nagy a little bit. Just – um. Well, let's transform that into well, well Luke Etsy, um, which you're seeing play calling wise. I know there's a lot of 13 personnel. Uh, you brought that up a, a little bit. You know they are running the ball a lot, but just in terms of scheme and maybe some of those route concepts that you did and didn't like against the Lions. What are you seeing from Luke Etsy? I mean, I, I think that there's a lot to like. I think that they, you know, are. I'm personally someone who loves changing up personnel like that especially when you don't have what i would classify as you know a dominant personnel where you're going to run out there with three wide receivers and feel like oh these three cats are unstoppable so to be able to mix up what the edges look like to be able to mix up what the flanks look like to be able to make your run game a little bit more complicated i still think that when you get into some of the run game stuff that it seems like they and, and this is maybe a trend in the league as much as anything where you'll see so much motion and shifting that it looks like those guys are confused at the line of scrimmage sometimes and things that should be blocked cleaner, you know, they're leaving people unblocked in the hole. Those types of things I think can continue to get better. But man, you know, it, it's it's a weird mixture for these guys because they, and I'm just projecting my own issues on them, but if you come from a system that doesn't necessarily have a, a quote-unquote true running quarterback, to be able to go into that and really figure out how the hell we're going to interweave that into the system that he's used to calling that got him this job, you know, I think it shows a lot of courage, a lot of capacity to adapt and be, be able to do it in real time. We're watching it happen within the last month. And so that part of it is really encouraging. Now, when you talk about, hey, there's only so much we can do on the outside, y'all. You know, I, I've been in huddles like that where it's like, hey, uh, we're going to try to win one-on-one -on -one outside the numbers. You just, you know, we're not going to win. We're not going to win consistently. And, and that impacts your capacity to be able to throw the ball as much as you'd probably love. And so you see a lot of screens, you know, you see them trying to, you know, trying to take advantage of the horizontal perimeter screens a little bit, but man, it's about just trying to figure out what the hell they do well right now and trying to mold that into something that they can be a little bit more efficient with down the home stretch. You know, JT, the last thing I have for you is I guess more of like just a philosophical question about how we tend to look at these things sometimes. I mean, we're we're all kind of in the business of breaking this thing down and maybe overanalyzing it sometime, but you just have a quarterback right now who's this is a Bears offense that just never used to score. The last 4 weeks, they're 30. scoring 30 points a game with none with no help like that we've talked about here now for 15 minutes or whatever it is. Like is it sometimes just that simple? Like the dude can obviously play if he's and he did it against the Patriots, he did it against the Cowboys. It's not just against, you know, the Dolphins defense and the and the Lions defense. Like is it sometimes just that simple? I mean, in my opinion, and I'm not, you know, I I root for the Bears cuz I root for Justin Fields, but you guys have already won this year. It's already over. You know, like we we're, you're winning. And so, yeah, you got to ride the ups and waves and there's no moral victories on Sundays and all that type of crap, but like it's already over. You've won. Now we just need to see it polished up and be able to be feel like we're on an absolutely solid foundation moving forward to be able to put some pieces around it. Because when you take a step back and look at the plays and look at the, just the absolute massive runs and the, the ability for this cat to get vertical with his speed in the run game, it's unmatched in the league. And that's there, there are some great runners in the league. And then you couple it with probably what I think is a, you know, kind of underappreciated arm talent right now for whatever reason if and when that 
kind of couples together, you know, it's got the capacity potentially to be one of the best cocktails of talent anywhere in the league at any position. And so, you know, y'all, y'all are looking pretty good. It's a cliche, but he's got it, right? You could just sort of see it in everything he does, the celebrations, the the, the way his teammates rally around him, the, the frustration after losses, which I actually like from him a, a lot. You could see the competitiveness. But I, mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't want to use the cliche, but sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, nobody wants somebody smiling after something goes down like that. You, you can tell. I, I don't think I'm reading too much into it to say that it means a lot to him, yes. that he's significantly invested. Uh, you know, I still think that he can – the, the things that I would look for if I was in his camp, I would say like, hey, what are the steps we can make the rest of the year so that we feel like we're kind of on that upward trajectory going into next year? And it's just about somehow playing a little bit quicker from within the pocket. I know that that's not necessarily an easy answer, but I think that there are times both with the system and his ability to just trust it. Like I think back to, I think it was a third down. There was an option route that he could have hit down to the bottom of the screen. I don't even, I think it was later in the game. Like those types of throws, I just I don't want to see those on the film anymore. Like when the the first read is open and you trust someone to win, let's get the ball out of our hands. Let's not take unnecessary hits, sacks. Those are things that I think he can be make the decision to improve really quickly because the rest of it sure looks like it's there up until you know he's got to feel like he's got to do everything himself. And I think he does feel like that in certain certain situations. And you don't necessarily want to play quarterback long term with that feeling of saying. Oh my God! I gotta, I'm gonna have to go get it myself every third down. Yeah, I think that was the uh, the th- throw you're talking about was that third and five. There was an out that was open to the right, and that was when he threw that deep shot down the left to Cole Komet. They just didn't hook up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, I encourage our listeners to go check out the full breakdown, and there's there's plenty of, plenty of them going back uh, a few weeks now. So, anything else, JT, that uh, we should know about the QB school right now? No, I appreciate you guys uh, pumping it out there. It means a lot to me. I, I really do get a kick out of it, and it's been fun to see uh, Justin Fields and the Bears kind of rally around each other and enjoy the stretch. Yeah, great. The Bears we- fans can't get enough, good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, when they finally throw that glance on the SRO, we're going to give you credit. <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you. No, you don't have to do that, but it's been there for a while now. It's coming probably next time they play. Awesome. All right, JT O'Sullivan from the QB School. Thanks again for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, see you guys. Thanks, JT. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. 
It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The dude is uh the dude is good. He really is. Uh, I, I I enjoy watching. It's funny. I have to say though, John's. Uh, whenever I have that on the TV, my wife's always like, "Is that the really boring guy that's just like mumbling about football?" And I'm like, it's "No, boring at all." I'm like, "This inject all of this into my veins right now. This is this is what I live for. What are you talking about?" I, I love the dry sense of humor too. Yes, that's what it is. So he's calling. I don't think he called Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, I don't think he called him his name a single time the entire video. It's Billy Jean. Thor Anzalone, because he's got the long hair. And then uh, he's just been hilarious with Rodrigo, the guy from Hard Knocks, all year. Because he was like the, you know. He was he's like the Lions Jack Sanborn, except he's not actually good. <laughs> so he's you know what I kept thinking? Every time he said Billy Jean, I'm like, man, the Bears could use one of those. <laughs> yes. Hey, he's a good player. He oh, really is. I know he, the numbers don't really show it, but at least my first full game watching him live, like that, the run to David Montgomery in the goal line where he came from the backside where he made that tackle, that violent tackle where he flipped David Montgomery with one of the hardest runners in the NFL. Yeah. You're like, Whoa. Yes. That dude can play. <laughs> Not going to leave that guy unblocked anymore on, on the backside. Um, by the way, just real quick, that reference I made at the end, uh, SRO, screen, run, option. The Bears have been running a bunch of these where Justin looks like to his right to throw a screen, or he has the option to run it up the middle and keep it. What what JT's talking about is to the single side, because they're usually in a three-by-one in that situation with three to the screen side. On the back side of the play, there's like a glance that like, like a basically po- you, you add a basically a, a, yeah. a, a hybrid slant post situation, right? An in route to the middle of the field that on all over the film, JT's like, that's open. You got to throw it. Yeah. You got to throw it to the backside. So if they do that, if you see a three by one with a screen to the right option to run it over the middle and he just throws it to the backside to the single, single side, uh, the QB school gets all the credit for it. All the credit. So when Luke Getzey watches this th- today, no, yeah, no Getzey credit. We know credit. he's going to. You know, we know Ryan Poles watches us. Um, it's going to be added. Um, in yeah. most cases, what you see with that receiver is he's blocking. At yeah. least in every example that I've seen, it is is that's what he does. He he's he's stock blocking. Right, because if case, Justin yeah. gets through on the run, you want to have that guy blocked up. Yes, yes. Yeah. But now yeah, you're adding so. the throw to it, and that would open up. Well, that'll change the, the the complexion of the offense in, in so many ways. Um, one thought on that, and I think JT kind of highlighted it very well, is that Luke Getze is not afraid to take that and oh, I can add that. I can draw from other schemes. I don't mind looking at the Ravens film and finding ways to unlock my quarterback. I like that from Luke Getze. I like that there's no. I, this is what kind of separates him from Matt Nagy, where it's like, my way, this is the offense that we know. I have to teach it to everybody. Where Luke Getze seems to be more than willing to accept different arguments, different takes, different philosophies to move the football, and it's working over the past five games. I could not agree more. And, and I'll also throw in, like, it's not like Nagy never took something you know, that he saw and used it. But there was definitely a more of a stubbornness to be like, here's yeah. my a thousand page playbook. Whatever we're gonna do differently is gonna come out of this playbook because this is what we do. We're I just gonna pull we're-, we're gonna pull from page six hundred now instead. And and whereas Getsy seems to be looking no 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 no. Okay, this team has a similar quarterback as ours. This worked against this opponent that we're about to play. Let's do that. Yeah. 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 I think one of the like a great way to put that 
is that Matt Nagy hired Mark Helfrich because of his expertise in RPOs from Oregon. And then after two years, he fired him because the running game wasn't working. Yeah. Along with Harry Heastan, the offensive line coach that he got from Notre Dame. Harry um, seems to be doing just fine at Notre Dame, by the way. Yeah. yeah so. right and again, it goes to the offensive staff, too. There's more, there's more from the same tree than there ever was for Matt Nagy. Get what I'm yeah. saying? Yes. I know, I, I know they're yeah. drawing now from different philosophies and different teams, but Janoko's from it. I mean, these guys, Chris Morgan is experienced with what they want to do. It just wasn't the case under Matt Nagy. Well, and I just think a perfect example is just look at what he's brought from Green Bay. Like, he's brought the stuff from Green Bay that works for Justin Fields and some of the more specific, like, fakes and let's run the free play when somebody jumps off. Like, that type of stuff. It's not like he yeah. took this whole offense is like, okay, you're going to do what Aaron Rodgers does. Because that's not fair to the quarterback task yeah. to do that. Yeah, one, one so thing I, I wanted to bring up. Sorry, I am completely cutting you off today. <laughs> that's all right. You're ready to go on a Tuesday. I got, I like a lot to say. Go back to JT, Denver, man. JT you know? O'Sullivan got you. Go back to Denver. <laughs> I would, man. It is just peaceful there, you know. And Take the snow just, with you, though. Beautiful. For yeah, those watching s- not in the Chicagoland area, it is currently snowing, and we're expecting a couple inches around here. But wouldn't it be nice to live in a place where like, you actually want it to snow? Here, you don't want it to snow. It's See, I just, don't mind snow, but it's just it's November 15th. See, the great thing about Denver is it's just always sunny out, and it's like it just lifts your spirit up. Here, you know, we'll see the sun by May probably. <laughs> No, the only time we see the sun is when the Bears play and it decides to blind people in the third and fourth quarters. <laughs> yeah, and Cole Komet briefly before he catches a yes, outstanding 50-yard uh, catch right there. Um, I forget where I was going with my thoughts, so I apologize. want to get to let's voicemails. Do this. Yeah, let's go to the voicemails, then we'll wrap everything up. A lot of good stuff from this pod. But, um, yeah, we do have voicemails from the game. Very interested to hear how these go since there was a lot of good and then a uh, ugly collapse at the end. So here are your voicemails from the Bears-Lions game. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Ooh, Justin Fields got me feeling things I ain't doing so feeling. Ooh, I love this beat. So bad, Chicago D. Taking us away to misery. Ugh, that's terrible. Bad done. Oh, John's Tom from San Antonio, halftime 10-10. This is just going to be the standard now with Justin Fields. He's the dude who can just make plays when plays need to be made. Bear down. John's cat, man. I think you just can never, ever mention Cole Komet touchdown ever again because it seems to happen every week now. If you don't even think about it, maybe the Bears win a Super Bowl. Bear down, baby. This Mr. Anderson calling from Philly, checking out my man Jack Sanborn. That's why you don't pay an off-the-ball linebacker $20 million a year. Bear down. Illinois, baby. Lakes are Rick, baby. Jack Sanborn, two f***ing sacks. Oh, my God. Bear down. Hey, Hogan Johns. It's been confirmed that the refs are against the Bears. Don from Virginia. We can either have the Bears for the next Bears for the next five years, or we can have the Bears actually become a winning team. This is what you need to do. You need to take the linebackers coach, make him the Soldier Field parking attendant. He's a freaking idiot. Take the defensive coordinator, make him the linebackers coach, make the head coach the defensive coordinator hits principal. I'm not seeing no hits principal out there. Don't give me that crap. And then you take the offensive coordinator, make him the head coach. Now you're a winning team. Otherwise, we're just going to do Bears things. Justin Fields, baby! Hogan Johns, long time, first time, I cannot believe uh, our number one, Justin Fields, just scored that 60-something-year-old you know, touchdown. Awesome. Love it. Bear down. 
Just as the national media turns around on fields, oh, he's great. Look what happens. This is unbelievable. I mean, I don't know who needs to hear this. We got a great running back at quarterback. That underthrow to commit on the touchdown, he had to literally stop for. And then he, you know, underthrows Claypool by what five yards when we need it? Two minute drill. It's sad. It's really sad. I'm going to say, guys, I'm not that upset. I mean, we're looking great. The culture's great. We're growing as a team, and we're losing, which means we may get a top-five pick. See you next week. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. I can't believe we lost to the Lions, but we have Justin Fields. Our future is bright. Bear down! All you guys, John DeBear, Bob Dabrowski here, leaving Soldiers Field after yet another loss, and yet... Justin Fields continues to be a god amongst pilgrims. We got just the greatest offense in the history of uh, football. I mean, it's the greatest offense in the history of the Chicago Bears, so that's football. So best offense in the history of football. You know, we are obviously going to win many Super Bowls with Justin Fields. It's just when is the defense going to catch up to the offense? The ego question here in Chicago. Uh, I only really see two Hall of Fame players on defense, Eddie Jackson and Jack Sanborn. Um, other than that, kind of a, a crapshoot. Maybe Jaquan Brisker is a Hall of Famer. Maybe Kyler Gordon turns it around. Maybe Jalen Johnson turns it around. I don't know. Right now, only two rock-solid Hall of Famers on defense. Got to get better than that. We want to win 100 Super Bowls. Go Bears, Chicago Bears, bear down. Can I take a quick issue with... Uh... The criticism there of, of one, the throw to Claypool in, in the late two-minute drill there. Uh, Justin Fields went back shoulder. I like that idea. It was open. Chase Claypool still went deep, still went upfield. Uh, I think that is an example of their lack of chemistry right now. I, I also thought, and it was... It, it was admittedly easier. Some, it's interesting. Sometimes there's a play that's actually better viewed from the TV copy than the All-22. Every once in a while, there's one. The All-22, because Soldier Field's angle, um, it didn't show how flat that throw was. There wasn't a lot of touch on that throw. He threw it very low. Back shoulder. And, and yeah, but it was... Yeah, I, I get that's what he's looking for. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that that was one of Justin's best best throws of the game. I, I don't yeah, think you, it's one to, like, I, I I get ridiculed for over-scrutinizing throws of Justin Fields. That is not one I'm at. I liked it. And then the touchdown yeah. to Cole Komet. Let me tell you a little background on the touchdown Cole Komet, the 50-yarder. They missed that throw every time they practiced it in practice at Hallis Hall. Every That's time. That's amazing. Um, they blamed That's the amazing Getsy still called it. Yes, which I like. Yeah. Trusting your players. Especially where where that sun is coming in at, at that moment, made an adjustment. Uh, they missed that throw. They they did it in practice in a walkthrough. They did it four or five times afterwards together. They didn't like kind of give up. They're just like, okay, let's maybe in a, in a see how it goes in the game if if it ever gets called. But I like the the setup by Getzey using the same personnel, thirteen personnel, great route. It's not an easy ball to throw from left to right. You know, 50 yards down the field, and that's just 50 yards from the line of scrimmage. Forget the you got to add in the extra yards behind the line of scrimmage. He's also to his left. Kamol, Cole, Kamol, Kamol, the world's best eligible tackle, apparently. Not whatever yeah. you want to call him. It's going to, <laughs> it's going to his right. That's a good play, man. It's a 50-yard touchdown pass. Celebrate it. I don't think that JT knows that Cole Komet was a pretty high-level baseball player because he keeps calling it a softball swing. Yes. This yes. guy did hit bombs at Wrigley Didn't Field. Didn't he go to Notre Dame because he could play this, baseball yeah, as well? Yeah, he, he played baseball there. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he played center field. Cole Komet himself said his, his background in baseball playing center field helped him on that catch. He, le- he led the state of Illinois in home runs as a senior at St. Yeah. Vider. Yeah. So... um I like the home run swing celebration. I think it's the best one the Bears have. And did you notice on the last one, the second touchdown, like three different guys did it at the same oh, time? I, I, they did it on the first one, too. Oh, I missed that. And it was like almost in unison. It was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Team. Um, the, the thing I, I remember what I wanted to bring up quickly before we talk okay. about tanking again. I know you got to run there soon. 
Um, I like how much better Justin Fields has gotten with play fakes. This sounds so like simplistic, get good at play fakes, but all quarterbacks are not created equal in play faking. And Justin mm-hmm. Fields, since week one, has significantly improved, in my opinion. I wanted to bring that up with JT. Missed my opportunity, but I think he has improved there. There. Said it. Totally agree with you. And I actually think this week, Luke Getze and Andrew Ginoco might actually be a little bit critical of some of his play fakes because I totally agree with you that he's gotten better. I actually thought it got a little sloppy at times in this game. Like they were a little too quick. So I think they, there are some plays where the where they're it's not even needed because there's like a like a unblocked rusher coming in where mm-hmm. you just need the running back to go, Oh, I gotta get that guy or we're screwed. Yeah. Um and then this is a good first of all, good good way to end the pod, I think, is just to go back to what JT said at the end there. He's just as an outsider's view who's really his only consumption of the Bears football is watching coaching tape, right? He called it a win. Like He's like, you guys already won this year. That that was a, a pretty strong takeaway, I thought. And then, in general, I think Justin's gotten better in recent weeks at getting rid of the ball faster. And then I thought this week was just a small step back. Same thing with the play fakes. Like, just... Tightening up a little, but I, I'm encouraged that in past weeks, we did see things speed up a little bit. And, and can I just say, that is so okay to say. Yeah. You could praise him for everything he did. Four touchdowns, electric runner, but still acknowledge that he has to get better in certain areas of, of the game. And that's like the scary thing, isn't it? Like he right. has, like, that's a good thing, everybody. This is not over scrutiny or over criticism here. Just think about that. Room that get better. His coaches are going to try to coach him into that. Former quarterbacks who have played in the league see it. And that is a scary proposition for the rest of the league and quite the benefit for the Bears right now as they try to rebuild this team. It's there. The signs are there. Needs to get better certain areas, but just think of how good he could be once he gets better in those areas. That's why you point out those mistakes. That's why you, you, you coach him tough like Luke Getze is doing. So you take that next step. You continue to forget the next step. More steps, like five steps. They're there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I totally agree. And I think that just one one maybe this is the final thing we'll talk about. But just this is where you want to be. Okay. So like, just so people understand, Justin feels the last couple weeks had graded out like as high as he ever has for me. Okay. And then this week. When I say he took a step back, he's still graded out as a long-term starter, right? So, like, earlier in the year when he was having his step-back games, they were bad, right? Like, they were they were actually bad games. This was still a more than good game, like a really good game that, oh, by the way, yeah, oh, oh by the way, there was some things that, you know, that still could have been better here and there, like... That's where you want to be with a young quarterback. This is where you want to be where like your baseline is we already know we want to pay him. The question is can he become like one of the top 3 quarterbacks in the league like MVP type candidate. Like that's where you want to be operating from. And that's where the Bears seem to be right now at least in the last month or so, which is very very encouraging. And we've never said that ever. Well what I just said we've never said ever. Oh, this feels different than 2018 with when, oh. when Mitch was throwing six touchdowns yeah. against uh, the Buccaneers. There were more in terms of like the ebb. Let's call this the ebb. No, is, or is this the flow? That this is a good flow for Justin Fields right now. Remember what that you know ten thousand word breakdown I did on the 2018 season, and the yeah. conclusion at the end of it was, I don't know. Like we still got to see we. St- you know, this kind of felt like a wasted time because we still <laughs> we still don't know. Uh, that's not where they there, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where that's where they are, or not. That's where that's not where they are with Fields. They are in a much better place. So, Bears fans should be excited about that. All right, great show. Love to having JT on. Please, uh, I mean, seriously, you can go check out the free stuff on YouTube very, very easily at the QB School YouTube channel. Uh, if you're interested in, it's not just some of the the uh, longer videos that he puts behind the Patreon, but there's some like really good football stuff. You just want to learn about, you know, 
different cadences and quarterback reads. If you just want to learn about offensive football, all that stuff's there, and it's uh, really good stuff. So we appreciate him coming on. Jazzy, any final thoughts? No, I've said a lot of things today, so I'm done. Yeah, you're on fire. <laughs> I gotta go do another show. Bring and, it, and and I got a text. I got a text in the middle of the pod that uh, I, they might me to fill in on the afternoon show today at the score. So I might be talking a lot the rest of the day. Great, you're gonna lose your voice again. Oh no, we can't do that. We can't do that. Uh, my cousin lost his voice at the wedding the other day from screaming and singing to piano. Not man the one. With his pants down. Yeah, no, not the one that was getting married. His brother. Unfortunately. But, um, all right, we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, and uh, read us on The Athletic and allchgo.com. Uh, newsletter coming out in the morning. A lot of great stuff. Appreciate you guys all tuning in, and um, can't wait to hear the feedback from this podcast with JT O'Sullivan. So uh, appreciate it, and we'll be back Thursday with a preview of Ryan Paces and Phil Emery's Atlanta Falcons.